Yeah, yeah so we t we're talking intimacy. Uh, it turns out you all, you know, uh, maybe for the benefit of the Zungus, uh, a couple of years ago, God gave us a, that, that graphic, which we have used um, uh, in teaching on, on marriage. It's got all of those components, intimacy, companionship. It's all the stuff that, it was really like came as a revelation from God. Um, and so today, we, 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 we're looking at intimacy. But before I do so, I want to read the scripture in John 10, verse 10. Uh, the words of Jesus. It doesn't get any better than that. Huh? Yeah. The words of Jesus. And when I think about that in the context of our marriages, um, in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life, life and have it to the full. Um, let's think about that in the context of our marriages. Mm -hmm. This idea of having full life. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the life of God. And, and that word life there is was Zoe, the Zoe of God. Um, the, the word Zoe describes a whole lot of stuff. But among other things, really defines the, the, the life of God, godly life, quality of life. So there's this idea inside of Zoe that I'm not just breathing. You can say, I have life because I woke up this morning and, you know, I still have breath. I'm, I'm not a dead body. Um, yeah, Zoe could speak into that, but Zoe is deeper than that. Uh, Zoe is, is the quality of life that we have access to by grace in Christ Jesus. There is a quality of life. There is a, there is a godly life that has come from Jesus. Uh, it, it's got to show that we have grace. And that grace has to show in my life, but also in my marriage. Uh, if I'm married and I'm in Jesus, it's got to show. Um, so we are talking about a quality of life. We, we talk about Zoe. And Jesus says, the thief, he talks, basically, he puts himself um, almost like there's this line between Jesus who gives life and the thief who takes away life. Um, and it's good to think about our marriages in terms of, you know, are we experiencing the, the, the theft or are we experiencing life? Is, are things being taken away or are things being added? You can, you can quantify if you feel like it. Some things that have been taken away. We're talking about this primary, uh, you know, uh, tertiary, uh, you know, marriages. Uh, we, we, we get married, we journey together over, over, over a couple of years, and the stuff can be taken away. Uh, the thing about the thief, the, 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 uh, a thief is there when the thief, you know, the thief doesn't tell you when, when he's going to come. He's going to find a, a way to breach <coughs> your house. It might be that you don't have an alarm, it might be that. Uh, there's a broken window somewhere, so 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 integrity of your security is important, which is the word of God for us. Uh, the integrity of our salvation is what really protects us because we don't know when that, that thief is gonna. The thief will keep trying. He will try, right? He will try to come and steal life away. Uh, and when a thief has broken into your house, man, you wake up in the morning, the TV is gone. Shucks, and then he's trying to figure out how did it happen? Yeah. You know, what did he use? Or maybe we didn't lock the door. Maybe we, did, we, we forgot to switch on the alarm. Mm -hmm. um, there are things that 
should have protected us that we we what we want is to be able to sleep in peace and know that the thief is not going to come in right mm -hmm. yeah. and and that's when we are really um embrace the, the the principles of the word of god and live by the word of god in our lives so jesus says the thief comes to steal but i've come to give you life and that's zoe the quality of life <coughs> i think that's a big thing for me these days i think we talked with martha the other day and uh big thing this thing about church having to show quality of life and and people are having to see the quality of life in our lives in our marriages and <coughs> our families in all that we do it, that's the it comes down to that right mm -hmm. we can't we can't keep selling our churches to people mm -hmm. we come because we have a great band or come because we have a great sound system mm -hmm. come because our venue is comfortable we've got to be selling the quality of life mm -hmm. and uh, when we have the quality of life it's got to show it's going to show but if, if the thief keeps stealing and taking things away, then we're going to find that, hey, we are, we are compromised. So Jesus says, I want to give you this abundant life. Um, and not abundant, that means abundant in measure and quantity, but also superior in quality. So again, we're coming back to this idea of, of, of the quality of life. And, and so let's think about that. Let's hold the thought. And God, do we have the quality of life or is the enemy you know, stealing stuff away from us? And if it is, we need to figure out how is it happening. Hmm. Yeah? You need to figure out how is it happening. It's like maybe, uh, maybe we're not strict. Uh, we have not adopted the word of God as our worldview, maybe. Uh, uh, maybe it's in the decision-making process. We don't sit together to, 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 to decide on matters. Maybe it's in lack of counsel. Maybe we don't uh, consult as much as we should. Yeah, uh, to seek wisdom from God through those around us and through leadership. Maybe it is in uh, we have deprived ourselves in terms of church attendance, and so we are not hearing the word of God as much as we should. Uh, provided that that's a good word, so there will always be some reason for the breach. And so, if things are being stolen, we we, we have to sit down and say, "Hey, honey, what's going wrong? What's going wrong here?" Uh, you know, where is the breach? How is the enemy keep? How is it that the enemy keeps coming and taking things away? Um, so instead of fighting, sometimes when you sit down and evaluate, right? Mm -hmm. you can fight till when? I mean, you have to sit down and evaluate and and assess. What do you do when a, when a thief has broken into your house? You you assess, right? Mm -hmm. uh, police will come in and try and look and mm, this is what happened. This is how it happened. Making sense of 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 the crime scene. Right? You have to make sense of the crime scene. If crime keeps happening, then you just keep going. And you don't have time to evaluate. Things are going to keep going wrong. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, it's like if you have had an accident. Sometimes if you see a car accident, it always will not make sense. What happened here? Mm -hmm. This guy is facing the, the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. It's upside down. What actually happened? And you have to make sense of the crime scene. You have to make sense of the accident scene. If things are being stolen... We have to make sense of how is the enemy, how is it that the enemy keeps being able to have access into mm. our house. Um, maybe, maybe as a man, Jesus says, you know, the enemy, you know, binds a strong man yeah, of the house. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe I have compromised my priesthood, my life with Jesus is not in a place that it should be. 
And so that is compromising the decision, the quality of choices that we're making. Because life is an ecosystem. You're not going to not have a measure of Jesus and still do well in life. Yeah. It's not possible. Um, um, and so maybe it's like, oh, maybe it's in our devotion. Maybe uh, there's something that we are not doing well in our devotional life. Uh, maybe in our community life. Maybe we've isolated ourselves a little bit too a place you know where it's really compromising us there will always be a reason when jesus uses the metaphor of a, of a thief it means we can investigate the matter yeah. and actually find out if there are breaches why and how and how do we prevent the thief from breaking in again that becomes a conversation and isn't that a great conversation to have as a couple? Yeah. Yeah. How do we prevent the thief from breaking in again? That's a great <clears throat> conversation to have as a couple, I think. Was then it, 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 it removes us from the situation because, you know, this thing of fighting, eh? it removes us from the situation and we're now starting to look at something other than us. Mm. We are together investigating something that actually will unite us. And so let's... Let's think about the Zoe of God and let's think about whether there is Zoe or there is theft that keeps happening. And if we find ourselves on the theft side of things, then that investigative conversation is necessary um, to figure out how is it that the enemy keeps you know, breaking into our hearts. Now, in these components that we have of marriage, intimacy is, is important. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, because that's why you married, because you loved each other, I assume. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we got married, because we love each other. We actually love each other. We, we love to hang out, we love to be together. Yeah? And, and, and so intimacy is, is, is a reality of our lives. Let's begin this and look into the scripture and look into the word of God. How amazing is that the Bible actually speaks a lot about issues of intimacy. Uh, and so we are safe at learning from Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. The way to intimacy, our first thought here, as we start us off, to start us off, the way to intimacy is through integration. So in that graphic you have the clue of integration. Integration is really God engaging you husband and wife through a process of spiritual fusion merging you making you one because here's what happens you fall in love um, uh, uh, you get married and then you have to actually become one yeah you are symbolically one by covenant because you have made a covenant all, during your wedding day on your wedding day but you have to become functionally one uh, you have to move from uh, the symbolism of oneness to the functionality of oneness. Mm -hmm. And we don't always cross that line, right? It, it, uh, um, and so, so God has to now take this man and this woman who grew up in different homes, different <coughs> cultural <coughs> settings, different backgrounds, different worldviews, and make them one. Mm -hmm. What a task the Spirit of God has, man. Hmm? Mr. Doom, that's a big task. Um, but is God to, and the way that God does it is by transforming the husband and the wife. Mm -hmm. So without 
a commitment to change, there is no integration. When you get married, you soon realize that I need to commit to change. I, I firmly believe most of the problems of in marriages and in couples, most of um, the, the, the problems and the issues that come up um, are really are really due to a lack of change. When we don't change, then eventually life overtakes us. Um, and, and you find yourself where the burdens of life are overwhelming your character and your capacity. The burdens of life, because the reality of it is, is we're growing, and we get married at 23, 25, um, uh, it becomes 10, 30, 35, 40. To be 40 means the burdens of life are increasing. We were talking just now about having children. Uh, you make, we make these babies and then we have to steward them. Um, and God, in His in His wisdom, you know, designed this whole system. There's there's pleasure involved in making babies, but the process afterwards is one of stewardship. Um, and so, out of intimacy and pleasure, then comes responsibility. You you are in that cycle. Um, so, as you grow up, means more responsibility, and that responsibility is coming up from the fact that maybe inside of your vocation, uh, you know. These promotions that come mean greater responsibility. Uh, kids coming as they grow, greater responsibility. The parents are growing, greater responsibility. So you're surrounded by mountains of challenges. And unless you are changing, unless you are growing, you will drown in this sea of challenge. Um, it's, it's only a matter of time. It's going to happen. Uh, and so what God does, he takes his husband and wife, and it takes them on a process of transformation to facilitate maturity inside of their own lives. That's what we call mature, uh, integration. And the thing about integration is that, obviously, we hit different phases and stages of life and of marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah? We start off in honeymoon, like Carl and Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> and then baby mercy comes, then we're father and son, you know? And, oh, man, it's like, now... The that broadens the scope of responsibility and of conversation. Mm. Now, not only must I be a great husband, I must be a great dad. Mm. And maybe I need to be reminded, hey, it's part of my responsibility to change the nephew. Mm. Um, and that's a transition moment. How well do we manage that? That's integration. Mm -hmm. So integration never leaves you yeah. until you're 70, 80. Really, until you go to meet Jesus. Mm -hmm. was after... You know, I think uh, kids was talking about there will come a time when the kids leave, you're mm. going to have to integrate again. Yeah. Mm. So it's like there are these stages of transition, there's transition moments that we hit in life, and those transition moments need integration. But integration allows for us to, to it it's really is a pathway towards intimacy. The scripture, which we can write down, we know the scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. We use the scripture a lot for integration, and I'm not teaching on integration this afternoon. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. What a thing. God envisions this husband and wife becoming one flesh. And partly that's the symbolism of marriage covenant, but partly that's 
God's call towards functional uh, you know, oneness, which is not possible unless we commit to change. Mm -hmm. And the kind of change that is facilitated by the Holy Spirit. So each time the Spirit of God comes for you and convicts you, he's really, he's really making you a better husband. Yeah, that's how you need to see it. Pull it out of the religious filters of, of you know, sometimes he's, the Spirit of God came from he's making me a better husband, a better father. Uh, that's why he's convicting me. So they would become one flesh. So that's the symbolism of marriage covenant. But it's also, that would, you know, one means agreement and unity. Agreement, to agree and to be unified. It means the same thing, that which is the same thing. Sameness means that when God looks at Saul and, uh, you know, and Megan, essentially as they grow in marriage, God must see the same thing. <coughs> Different personalities, but same value system. Mm. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Different personalities, but same yeah. value system. <coughs> and God is going to take you on a journey uh, to build it up. And it's going to happen in beautiful moments of revelation. But it's also going to happen through conflict. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you the truth, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to happen through, through conflict. Every time you bump into conflict, you have an opportunity to clarify your value system. Mm -hmm. Because conflict means there's a clashing of values. Mm -hmm. That's what conflict means. It means you actually don't see eye to eye. It means your worldviews are actually not the same. So, so see conflict as an opportunity for maturity, as an opportunity for integration. That's what it is. Uh, and so God facilitated this fusion of, you know, these you know, different people, husband and wife, into, into functional oneness in Christ. And that unleashes a journey towards intimacy. That's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Then we step over... A couple of chapters later, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. The first time we have a picture of intimacy in the word of God. Uh, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. That's the New King James. The NLT says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve. The message translation says, Adam slept with Eve, his wife. It's more like modern, modern uh, uh, English. Slept with his Eve. With, but, and all of these translations are correct. Um, um, so now Adam knew, and that's the word that we're given. But the first time, as we see a picture of intimacy between husband and wife, is this idea of a husband knowing his wife. And that word means to know by relationship and experience. To know by relationship and experience. It means to observe, to discern, and to discover. It's this idea that Carl will be discovering something about Courtney. Um, it, it means also to become a friend, to acquaint yourself with something. So that's the picture of intimacy. Adam knowing his wife. And that word is used, um, you know, uh, generally in the word of God in various contexts. But it also obviously does mean sexual intimacy. This word, Adam knew his wife. It means, so the message translation is correct. He slept with his wife. Um, the NLT says, 
He had sexual relations with his wife. The New King James says he knew his wife. So to know by relationship and experience. Um, and so we have this idea of intimacy in the Bible. Biblical intimacy describes <coughs> spiritual, emotional, and sexual relationship between husband and wife. Spiritual, emotional, and sexual relationship between husband and wife. So the idea in the Word of God is that intimacy does not begin and end in bed. It is a holistic experience, spiritual, emotional, and sexual relationship between husband and wife. It does not, the Bible does not see intimacy as sexual intercourse primarily. It is there, but the Bible tells us that there is a relational gene, there is a, a gene of friendship, of emotional intimacy, of, of, of working together, becoming friends. And so it gives us a very holistic picture. Um, of, of, of intimacy, uh, a picture that is much broader than just sex. So when we talk about intimacy in biblically, we're talking about this idea of, of learning, of getting to know somebody, getting to know your spouse, to know by relationship, because you live together. Um, there is the investigative element. This is not to know as in acceptance of character deficiencies. This is to know so that you can manage, administer the, the process of the Lord over time. So we can have conversations. Carl and Courtney can have conversations. This is what I've observed in your car. And um, it could be an area that requires transformation. Um, and, and, and then the Lord is involved in those, kind of, in the, in those kinds of you know, conversations. So intimacy in the Word of God, yes, is sexual relations, but it's relational experience. You know, it's relational experience. It is observation and studying this person. You actually have to have moments to sit down and think about your spouse and actually understand. If I were to ask you, tell me about your spouse, you'd be able to describe them for me. You know, their strengths, their weaknesses, areas that, you know, maybe the Lord is working on inside of their lives. <coughs> uh, what are their burdens? You, you have to be able to describe them for me. You ask you, tell me about your spouse, your husband, your wife, you should have an answer. That's how the Bible um, describes intimacy. Um, knowledge by relationship. Knowing each other, because we live together. And so, and so, so which means that there is an element of, whatever well, a better word, study in the process of marriage, of investigation, of having to understand my spouse. Um, because you live with this person. So, so that's the first picture that we're seeing about intimacy. And I'm going to jump us off to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. And we're going to read a couple of scriptures there. Um, just in terms of uh, you know, what Paul teaches us about intimacy there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Paul says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. So, First Corinthians 7 verse 2 gives us the idea, the ratio there is one to one, right? Let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. In verse 3, let, let the husband render to his wife the affection. As I'm reading from the New King James here. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, 
And likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and to come together and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now this is Paul bringing counsel to the church and to couples in Corinth back in those days and he uses the big word and that's 1 Corinthians 7 verses 1 to 5. He uses the big word, the word is affection. The word is affection. So that's the second word that I want to introduce us to. We saw the first word, knew, Adam knew his wife, which is this relational knowledge. It is sexual relations, but it is this idea of getting to know the person that you're living with. And uh, 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 Paul says, um, let the husband render to his wife the affection to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. That word affection means to be well-minded. It means to be well disposed. The word means to show good, to be friendly towards your spouse. It means to reconcile. It means to agree to be intimately affectionate. It also means to have a sexual relationship. We say that again. The word affection, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3. To be well minded. To be well disposed, to show good, to be friendly towards your spouse, to reconcile, to agree to be intimately affectionate, and to have a sexual relationship. To be well-minded, to be well disposed, to show good, to be friendly towards your spouse, to reconcile. To agree to be intimately affectionate, to have sexual relationship. That's a powerful word. Mm -hmm. The first thing that we are confronted by when we study that word <coughs> is this idea that affection must first and foremost express itself through attitude. Mm -hmm. Attitude. Let's say that word, attitude. 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 Because it says to be well-minded. So I cannot claim to be walking in intimacy with my spouse if my attitude towards him or her is horrible. Mm -hmm. To be well-minded. The first, according to this word, the first point of exercise in working towards a place of intimacy is to fine-tune my attitude towards my spouse. Mm -hmm. My attitude has to be cleaned up by God. You know, it needs to be... and, the, and the attitude is in the daily cause of life. Long before, you know, we are in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. In the daily, you know, cause of life. To be well-minded. Mm -hmm. To be well-disposed. My disposition towards my husband, towards my wife, is the first sign of intimacy. In other words, intimacy is a state of one's mind towards your towards your spouse. It is a mental condition. <clears throat> and if we're working towards intimacy with our spouse, we need to say, God, fix my mind. 
fix my mentality, fix the state of my psychology towards my spouse. In, in I can't be horrible in the cause of life, in the retail shop, and expect great sexual intimacy all at the same time. So the way the Bible describes it is that really um, your sexual relationship has a, has a character, has an identity. This is really what you celebrate when you are coming together physically. Uh, and, and as we always teach about this, there is no other person you can have that with, that characterization. The emotion you express in bed, it's really because of who this person is to you and how they have been to you. Otherwise, you may as well just sleep with a, a stranger, right? Mm -hmm. Intimacy is, is a state of mind. And so sometimes, we need to go back to God and God fix my state of mind. Mm -hmm. uh, there is something that's blocking my intimacy with my husband, with my wife, is my own attitude. And maybe I've always been like that, growing up as a boy, as a girl. But now I'm married. And... Uh, you know, it's just little things like respect, right? It, it, like, like courtesy, like all of those little things that the Bible wishes to be well-minded, to be well-disposed, to show good. Now, we bring in the element of character, right? Mm. Behavior <clears throat> into the picture. To show good. So we're moving from attitude or state of mind to a behavioral expression towards my spouse, my spouse, to show good, to be friendly towards your spouse, to reconcile, you know, to make a commitment that does not mean that you won't fight, you know. Uh, you know, you're gonna, a healthy marriage is you're gonna have conflict, you're gonna fight over stuff, that's not a problem. The problem is what happens when you fight. Mm -hmm. The issue is never the fight, the issue is how do you bounce back in the moment of fighting. In the moment of conflict, that's the issue, you know, and it comes back to this issue of attitude of behavior, a behavior that is affectionate, not, not rude and horrible, and just lacking care and, you know, it's, it's a state of mind, my psychology, God has to work in my state of mind. And we, we need to teach people, young people who are not married, we're not looking for a spouse, you're looking for someone's state of mind. Mm -hmm. Not just looks. Mm -hmm. You know, because, because that's intimacy, biblical intimacy is going to involve that behavioral, behavior that is always throwing the good to the other. Ah, does not, you're going you're gonna to make some mistakes, you know. You're going to offend your, your husband, your spouse. Uh, you know, we're not, so we're not, we know that. God has compensated for those moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what, what is that? It's, 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 it's confrontation. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's forgiveness. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's offering a sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Hopefully, you know, we're taught as, as kids to say sorry, right? <laughs> it's not a difficult thing to say. <coughs> sorry. Um, uh, so God is, um, how amazing that God has compensated for moments of mistake. Because he knows that Robert is going to make some mistakes. So therefore, how do we compensate for this? 
let's create a, a context, a biblical context where Zamo can confront Robert. Robert can own up to his mistake and ask for forgiveness, and Zamo can offer that forgiveness back. Mm. And then, the, and then we move on. Yeah. And that's how God has, you know. So the issue we can't just fight about so and so did something. The issue becomes where so and so does not own up to what they did, mm. right? Because you confronted them and they didn't own up. Then that's the problem. That, that becomes a problem. Um, so, 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 uh, so intimacy begins with, uh, with a state of mind, then it's behavior, doing good towards, and then it's sexual, sexual relationship with, with my spouse. What then happens in bed is a consummation of the character of life that we have between the husband and the wife. We consummate that in bed. I love you. I want to be sexually intimate with you. You know, I want to hold you. I want to feel your body. There's a there's a there's an emotion that emits. Um, uh, you you, you want to have emotion, energy, affection. Does not begin in bed. It begins and it is characterized by the way that you are living together. That is why you can only have that with that one person. There is no other person. Right? You know, there is no other person that can go to bed with and have a particular uh, emotion other than your spouse and your husband, your husband, your wife, if you're doing this thing correctly. Right? Because that's the person that you've chosen to open your life towards and and they they have really had this amazing attitude towards you. Where they have made mistakes, they, it's not an issue for them to say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You love that about them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they, it's not an issue for them to say, I'm sorry. And, and, and they know you're not going to hold it for two weeks <laughs> against them, you know. And so, affection, right? Mm-hmm. Big word, yeah? Mm-hmm. The first one was Adam knew. And then the second is affection. Then it says in verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Beautiful scripture. Of course, it's not talking about um, abuse and imposition. You know, it's not a scripture we quote because oh, I want to have sex and your body is mine. Uh, it's not in the sense of abuse and imposition, but it's in the sense of, of, of mutuality. Uh, uh, the, the idea is that, is that a spouse want to bring emotional, sexual pleasure towards, towards each other. Actually, we want to do that. You know? So, um, we, we actually want to do that. What it also implies is that we cannot weaponize sex. Uh, weaponizing sex is depriving your spouse because you're angry at them. We cannot weaponize sex. That's the one unwise thing we can have. Rather resolve issues than weaponizing sex. Resolve issues if they can't take them to church. Do whatever is necessary. Do whatever is necessary 
um, to, 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 to make sure that to make sure that um, uh, you know th things are healthy. You don't you don't you don't wanna, you don't want to work for nice sex. So the idea that my body belongs to my spouse, my wife, and hers belongs to me is, is really captures the uh, God is reasonable. He's a reasonable God. Um, he's not going to put unreasonable demands on us. Uh, the, the, these are not um, these scriptures are not designed to, to, to facilitate abuse and imposition, like I've said. Um, uh, uh, but it also does mean that we can't weaponize sex in the process. We don't want to do that. But that there is a spirit of mutuality and of really just wanting to facilitate uh, emotional sexual pleasure to your spouse. Because actually you love that person, right? That's why you, you got married to them. Uh, you love them. And if there's issues, rather resolve the issues rather than using sex as a, as a way of uh, uh, leveraging your authority. That's, that's, not, that's, not, that's always not very, very wise, right? So, so that's, that's the one thing that Paul says there. Um, uh, my body belongs to my, my wife's and hers belongs to me. It means there's a, a sense of mutuality, uh, uh, of mutual interest, um, you know, between 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 the two people who are married. So there's there's this mutuality between us. Um, uh, do not differ. Uh, and then it says, and, that's, and that was verse four. Um, in verse five. It says, do not deprive one another, except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Do not deprive one another, except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. These instructions presuppose certain conditions and realities in the marriage. Uh, that word consent, do not deprive one another except with consent. That word consent is the English word symphony, uh, the sounding together of, 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 of musical instruments, the blending of voices, the, the sense of harmony. Do not deprive one another except with consent. So what God is saying is that the space of intimacy must not be disputed between husband and wife. There must, be no, there must be no dispute. Do not deprive one another except with consent. There has to be symphony, a blending of voices, a sounding together, a blending of voices or musical instruments. That's what that word means, symphony. The space of intimacy is not a space of contestation. It's not meant to be a tug of war between husband and wife. There has to be symphony. There has to be the the ambience of symphony, the, the, the culture of symphony, the atmosphere of, of, of symphony. <coughs> if God says, except, you know, with consent, it also presupposes open conversation around intimacy and sex in the marriage. A culture of open conversation <coughs> about Intimacy about sex life, open conversation, and you will note the 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 consent obviously also presupposes equality between husband and wife. Mm -hmm. 
Or consent presupposes an, an environment of openness, open culture, of equality between husband and wife, um, you know, of, of a symphony. And how amazing is that, that in that same scripture, in verse 5, we have the balancing of sexual intimacy with your devotion, fasting and prayer. As long as you are alive, intimacy remains. One day, actually, your bodies will give up. But intimacy remains. Uh, then we're having conversations more about the, as you grow in marriage, the essence of marriage starts showing up. Um, it was actually, in, in immortality, you won't be having physical intimacy. But the principle of intimacy remains. The Trinity exists in a state of intimacy, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the principle remains. So, you, 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 if you, if we do this right, we can outgrow our bodies, our physical bodies. Because your body will give up one day. And then the question: What becomes of your intimacy with your spouse? So there has to be a culture of open conversation. Down in. Verse 33, same chapter, 1 Corinthians 7. Paul says in verse 33, But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. How he may please his wife. In verse 33, verse 1 Corinthians 7, uh, this idea of pleasing my wife. How amazing is that? Uh, that word please, that means to cause emotional excitement. Chuck, so when last did I do that? To cause emo emotional excitement, to make one inclined towards you. To not push them away. To be content with someone, it means, it means to soften one's heart towards you. It means if there's anybody that has to learn to work with the heart of your spouse, it's you husband or wife. So the word of God says, please your spouse to cause emotional excitement. You've got to know what that looks like for your marriage. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. In the, for doom of marriage, what does it look like to cause excitement in PD's heart? To make her inclined towards you. Change your heart. Make her inclined towards you. You've got to be able to do that. Husband and wife. To cause emotional excitement. How do I do that in this family, in this marriage? How do I create, how do I change the ambience of this house? What, what must I do? I don't know, maybe it involves cooking something. Maybe it involves bringing some food. Maybe it's different things for different people. Maybe it's going to a movie. Maybe... Um, I don't know. You should know these things because you're married to your husband and to your wife. How do I cause emotional excitement? How do I change the mood when he or, or she has come back from work and it's been a long day and it clearly has been a long day as they walk in? How do I change that? What do I do in the midst of kids like we were talking earlier? Kids coming back, and kids are being kids. They want sandwich, they want this, they want that, they want TV. They keep putting the demand. But we need to be causing emotional excitement to please my wife. 
can it be said of me that I am right now pleasing my wife? Or am I an irritation and annoyance to my wife or husband? So the Bible says, please do not be an irritation. Please do not be an annoyance. To make one inclined towards you. To please means to be content with your spouse. So it's got the element like, God, I'm happy with what you, with who you gave me. <clears throat> yeah. And by the way, you know, this thing about um, your body belongs to me, my body belongs, has an element of, 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 of mutual care, of actually taking care of each other, yeah. even in terms of health as well, mm-hmm. and diet. Mm-hmm. They talk to each other about those things. Uh, if I'm having top deck every evening, as I want to be able to tell you, I think it's been, oh, of course, we're going to have top deck, but, but maybe it's been too much now, honey. Because top deck will lead to other things. So, and we actually want long life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to stick, we want to be together for long, as much as God blesses us mm-hmm. with days. We don't want to shorten that by reckless, you know, irresponsible lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, my, your body belongs to me. My body is not just a sexual thing. It's also about taking care of, of one another, of each other, um, and, you know, um, including diet, food, all those kinds of things, because, you know, and having a very open conversation. We have a very open conversation with Zama about that from day one. Yeah. So if I've had too much top deck, she, she can tell me. And I turn down on the top deck. <laughs> you don't want to go behind, behind your spouse, right? And, <laughs> <laughs> Well, sometimes you don't see these things, right? Mm. You're just enjoying whatever you're enjoying. That's why you need your spouse. That's why they're there mm. for mm. as well. To actually warn you. Hey, it's they are, don't be grumpy when your spouse does that. Mm. They have a right to do that because your body belongs to them. Yours belongs, you know, theirs belongs to you. As long as they're reasonable. What's the word? Reasonable. Mm. Mm. I mean, come on, we're going to have a dessert from time to time. <laughs> well, I have dessert seven days a week. Mm-hmm. There's only seven days in a week. <laughs> you know, and we have to have, help one another there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have different strengths, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what, you know, it means. Intimacy is all of those things. Um, uh, it's, it's that openness, but obviously with care, not rude. You know, with care, absolute care. What's the word? Care. 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 Yeah. Not rude. But you can't jump on when someone gets sick because they have been eating badly and then jump on and, but we have not been helping them along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take care of our physical bodies as well. Um, but again, in a healthy way with care, not rude. Mm-hmm. Love is the motivation. 
So, so if you have not been able to talk, speak openly about matters of diet, you know, this is now you are authorized. Are you drinking too much coke? Eh? Not good for you. I have coke moments. I have coke moments. I feel like coke now today. But, and that's why you need to be open and can't hide these habits. Because then your spouse can help you. Because, you know, health, long life. Um, you also in a st your state of mind. It, it all everything mm. affects everything. Mm. Mm. But love and care, important. Pleasing. I love is to please my my spouse. It means I am responsible for their happiness. <clears throat> That's what it actually means. Mm. Essentially, it's not the movies that are responsible for their happiness. Mm. It's not some Hollywood character that's responsible for their happiness. I am responsible for their happiness. They're happy on my account, unhappy on my account. I've got to please them. And I've got to love to please them. So therefore, it goes back to affection. If affection is a state of mind, if my state of mind is not healthy, I am not going to be able to please my wife. <clears throat> so we've got to find out what that looks like for this family, for this marriage. It, the physical things. Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> cooking, you know, when you cook. There's flavors that, you know, you know, cooking affects the, if you're cooking some bad stuff, there's going to be, there's going to be grumpiness in the house, man, it's going to be bad. <laughs> By the time you sit around the table, nobody talking to anybody. Just eating that food and going to sleep. <laughs> so hopefully the aromas are, uh, it's like, wow, what are you cooking? <laughs> You know, mm. I, you know, I, I've got my own flow you know, in the kitchen. I, I know what I touch to, to shift the ambiance. It, it's all of these things. Uh, but how amazing is this, guys? Boys and girls, men and women, husband and wives. The happiness of your spouse depends on you. That's a, that's a, that's quite an <coughs> responsibility. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like. In fact, it's really maybe something when I just pray to God about it. God, mm -hmm. I, I, I want to take on this responsibility with a new sense of burden. Mm -hmm. The yeah. happiness of my wife, the happiness of my husband mm -hmm. depends on me. Mm -hmm. If I'm not doing it right, they will be unhappy. There's nothing as terrible mm -hmm. as having an unhappy spouse, guys. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's no need. We can fix things. Things can mm -hmm. all problems can be resolved. Mm -hmm. God has provided mechanisms like forgiveness. All these things that God has provided, mm -hmm. things can be fixed. Amen. Amen. So I want to seal with that this idea that I have to please my spouse. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes that burden is upon me. God has given me that responsibility um, to please my spouse. And I take on that responsibility. Um, I accept it with, with, uh, with joy from the Lord. Mm -hmm. that, that one day when my spouse sees Jesus, he or she is going to be a happy soul, man. Yeah. Because I made them to be happy. Yes. <laughs> on Saturdays when they were feeling low, I, I was there to make them happy. I came up with ideas of how, come on, you can, 
you know, you know the spouse is feeling low, don't just leave them to themselves. I don't know, he's like, he's, he's in the bedroom. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> he's been strange today. <laughs> You've got to do something about it. <laughs> I don't know, he's strange today, he's confusing me. Off to the mall, <laughs> we take the kids and leave. <laughs> You're going to come back, poor soul, he's going to be, oh man. God knows. <laughs> we take the kids to the <laughs> stay in the mall a little bit. I just want to give him space. No. He needs change of mood. She needs change of mood. And I'm responsible for them. And I can bring them to something. If they say, no, come on. You know, if they don't feel like smiling, they will smile eventually. Because I'm, I'm their husband. And I'm their wife, and I know how to do that. I know how to be around them. So I don't know how many things I've made Zamoto love over over the years. She she loves him because because of me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know it's good to bring that good influence. Here's the thing: because you've got to, as you grow, have common interest, things you both love. And our Saturdays are always going to, you know, I think the question earlier about time, Mafa is like, um, and I was going to be, one person is going to this place, another going to that place. Mm -hmm. Well, she, mm -hmm. she loves the mall, I love <coughs> fishing. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? It means hours away from each other. As you grow, part of integration is loving, having common interests. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I love coffee. I got my wife to love coffee. That's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. we, we, had, we had long conversations over coffee. Mm -hmm. you know? And other things. <laughs> it, there has to be common interest. Mm -hmm. If there's no common interest, it's, it's a problem. You can't redeem the time when there's no common interest. Mm -hmm. How do you spend a Saturday without a common interest? Because then you're going to be bored. <coughs> Your husband is going to take you something, you're going to be bored. Your wife is going to take you, you're going to be bored. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to hate being with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And that's not a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's part of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Learning to develop uh, common interests. Because I have to please my wife and my wife has to please me. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You need Jesus fueling you, fueling you and resourcing you to do all these things. It's not possible just in your own flesh. Yeah. So Jesus in you helping you to be a good husband, Jesus in you helping you to be a good wife. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. So Father God, we take this responsibility this, this afternoon. Um, I don't know how we land this this afternoon and in this gathering. But I, I feel I feel this thing around pleasing my wife and pleasing my husband. Mm -hmm. For us, gathered here this afternoon, God. Um, and 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 for some of us, it might require complete change of character, state of mind, and personalities, uh, 
relaxation of personalities and outlook that is not that is not self-worth, but it looks at the other party. So I wanna I wanna please you. I wanna make you happy. Mm -hmm. the, the undertone of everything, little thing that I do is that I wanna make you happy. Mm -hmm. I wanna make you happy. Your body belongs to me. My body belongs to you. So I care for your health. I care for your physical life. There's a sense of mutual interest. There's consent, that open culture of conversation about everything in this marriage, including intimacy, including the aspect of sexual relationship and intimacy. And I have a right, depending, uh, as long as I meet the obligation to be reasonable, because God is a reasonable God. I have a right to express my consents where there are consents around the demands or the plans that God has stipulated for this marriage. As we've read this afternoon, God, yeah. we can communicate these things. And thank you that you've given us uh, uh, compensation mechanisms, mm -hmm. like forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is a new opportunity to get it right now. Yes, yes. To get it right. And so we thank you for that. Mm -hmm. That there can be confrontation, there can be forgiveness. There can be, you know, apology yes. uh, offered. Uh, we, we are reasonable people. Yes. We're not trying to be difficult to, to, towards each other. Yes. We're trying to please each other because we are doing this thing under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yes. I thank you for affection. I pray for state of mind. Yes. I pray for psychological conditions. I pray for attitudes in the name of Jesus, that attitudes will be correct, and that attitude and mindset that need to be healed will be healed in the name of Jesus. Because God, I have an attitude to offer to my spouse. And that carries the, the, the element of intimacy that is consummated in bed each time we come together physically. There's something we're consummating. There's something we're celebrating. God looks at the husband and wife, and he is pleased by the, the, you know, their intimacy because he sees the fullness of their marriage. Each time we come together physically, we are consummating something. So I will not use sex as a weapon. I won't, I won't weaponize it because it is a sacred thing that God has given us to physically express what is a spiritual reality and what is a, an emotional reality. And so God, I, I, I come before you I think even with the element of repentance in my heart this evening, this afternoon, I, I, I repent where I have not gotten some of these things right. I repent if I have not spoken to my husband or wife about their health, if I have withheld my, 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 um, my concerns, maybe about their diet or whatever. I, I want to repent. I want... I want symphony in this marriage. Yes. Oh, a blending together of voices, mm. a sense of mutual consent mm. and mutual interest. Because we want to be 60, 70, 80 together, mm. one long life together, yes. and want our intimacy to outlive our physical bodies. Mm. Oh God. Because there will be a day when our bodies give up. Mm. But in that day, our intimacy will thrive even more. Because we've become soulmates in Jesus Christ. Mm. We've shared memories together. Mm. That memory will hold us together. Oh God, when our bodies are frail mm. and giving up. Mm. Oh God, this board of humiliation. 
I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my husband. I love them. I love them, God. I declare my love for them. I take responsibility for their happiness. I make a new commitment that I will make them happy. I will be the reason and the source of their happiness. After Jesus in their lives, I will be the reason and the source of their happiness. And not annoying, not irritating, not unreasonable, not fighting unnecessarily, not picking on fights, not grumpy. But God always walking into the house with an ambiance. That there's an aroma. The Bible talks about the aroma before God. But I also want the aroma before my spouse. There's a character that comes with my being in their space. They are pleased with me. They're not tolerating me. Because they made a covenant one day. They love me and they like me. It's not a tolerance. It's not a hanging in there until we die. It's a love that keeps growing. Oh God. If we are walking by the book in the name of Jesus. Launch me until you end up pleasing mm-hmm. or bringing excitement. Mm-hmm. Give me creativity around these things. They don't always need money. Yeah. It's in the little things, mm-hmm. in the little considerations. When my flesh wants to give in, God help me to refuse mm-hmm. and to step up yeah. by the conviction of the Spirit of God. Yes. To break free from my own self-interest mm-hmm. and to look at the interest of my husband, of my wife. Mm-hmm. In the name of Jesus. To look at their well-being. Because that's what aff- affection is. Mm. Looking after the well-being of my spouse. Mm. And making sure they are okay. They are, cannot be the reason for their stress. I can't be the reason for their depression. Yeah. I need to be the reason for their joy and excitement. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Of God. In the name of Jesus. So that's how God has instructed us to do this thing called marriage. So thank you for intimacy. Thank you for inventing intimacy. Thank you for the pleasure that comes with it. Thank you for the responsibilities that come with it. In the name of Jesus. And so help some of us to go back home and have conversations around some of these things. Like we spoke earlier about having investigative conversations around areas of theft and breach in our house. Where have been areas of theft and breach and how has the enemy come in to steal? How come that he keeps coming in? God will switch the conversation from simply fighting to being investigative. Mm. To helping one another to understand the the schemes of the devil and how he circulates around our marriage. Oh God, help us to do that. In the name of Jesus.